Well, you only live once, maybe not And this life right now might be all we've got So let's contemplate the hereafter While we speculate with some laughter About this grim thing that happens to us all After that final curtain call But before you take that final breath Let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and today's episode involves music. And what's interesting about that is I had just recently watched the movie Coco. Honestly, I forgot how good that movie was. I saw it at the theater. We bought it on Blu-ray, and it was just one of those ones where it's like, yeah, we'll get around to watching it. And what's interesting about that movie is the concept that I actually saw in another show recently, too, about your second death and how you die your first time and then you die the last time someone speaks your name. And it's just such a wild concept because, yeah, there are people who have just disappeared. Relatives I've got, you know, great, great grandpas. I don't even know what their names are. You know, think about that. The fact that you've got people in your life that unless you've kept them in the forefront of your mind, they're gone. You know, people who were 150 years ago, yeah, they're long gone. I couldn't tell you any of them. I go to Ancestry.com. My uh, late friend James did a bunch of research for me. And, you know, I'm looking at these and they're just names on a, I shouldn't say page. I mean, on a virtual page, but yeah, they don't mean anything to me. And You could say, well, did I bring them back to life just by acknowledging that they existed? Yeah, maybe, you know, if that is such a thing, that whole second death. But I do think there's some truth to that because you leave a legacy. And that's part of the thing that, you know, we all kind of, I think, secretly try and do, whether it's through children or a business or a foundation or just, you know, being creative, painting, quilts, uh, crafts, anything like that. Not everybody's interested in that, but I think the you know, basic group of humanity kind of secretly wants to leave something behind. And maybe that helps keep them remembered. You know, unfortunately, some of that stuff ends up in a garage sale or a thrift store or something like that, you know, but you try. But anyway, it's uh, it's interesting that my guest today is a very musically inclined person. Uh, and Coco, of course, involves a lot about music. And, uh, it's just, um, it's very fitting that he's my guest this week. And his name is Bill Protzman. And he is the world's leading expert on the power of music. And uh, we talk about that as like for, for, for healing and for um, just, just general feel-goodedness. And yes, I just coined that as a word, feel-goodedness. He didn't say that. He's not that dumb. But uh, yeah. And I'm not saying dumb. Bill is dumb. He's not dumb at all. He's actually pretty brilliant because he is a phenomenal pianist. And um, you got to have some smarts about that. At least I believe. Anyway, <laughs> I'm rambling. And that's what I do. So if you've listened to my podcast, you know that by now about me. But what's interesting is this is episode number 37. I'm just going to leave this brief. But 37 is one of those numbers that I see all the time. You can ask friends of mine, my wife and I, I joke with her all the time. I'll, you know, see something and it'll say 37 passengers or 37 this, 37 that. And I just go, 37. 
And I just pointed out, it's a weird obsession of mine. So enjoy episode number 37 with Bill Protzman. Hey, you, Tim. Bill Protzman here. Hey, how you doing, Bill? Really good, man. How are you? Eh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just kind of enjoying my day. Hey, as good as can be. Yeah. On, yeah. All things considered. So. Yeah, all things considered, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Seriously, dude. Yeah, it's it's uh, these days are like nothing. I think anybody alive has ever seen. You know, with the combination yeah. of everything, not to mention, I mean, and I've I've brought this up with people and, and I've seen it in, in memes even where we've had enough history in the last five, six months for a whole decade. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good observation, right? Yeah. And it's like no kidding because it's it, with everything going on, it's just compounding and it's you can't go a week without seeming like something else is just getting added to the mix. You know, it, it's so insane because, you know, like a lot of other people, um, I'm working on getting my business off the ground, hmm. what, what kind which of is challenging anyway. <laughs> you yeah, know? totally. And throw everything the, else on top of that. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem is it's like it it kind of puts a a I don't want to say unnecessary, but an untimely uh, road obstacle that you almost can't even plan for. Oh, it, true. You know, you know, it's it's not like a. Uh, uh, well, I've got to figure out rent and I've got to, you know, if you've got a brick and mortar type thing or I've got to figure out promotion and things like that. It's like, no, how do I figure out with dealing with social uh, anxiety of of the whole country? Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. right. So, yeah. yeah. So it's that. But it's that. Is, is the business, is that the, uh, uh, I, I saw the video that you had with the, um, uh, in your email. I'm assuming that's the business you're referring to? Probably. I have a bunch of videos out there. Um, was it a pretty short one, just me talking? Yes, exactly. With you uh, doing like the music uh, uh, yeah. therapy yeah, almost. Music I, I thought that was I thought that was very cool. I, I liked the concept because, yeah, yeah there there is power in music. That There's oh no doubt in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah, it's – it's uh, one, one, one perfect example comes to mind of what – something as simple as a few notes can do is I remember reading about how when they first aired the movie uh, Halloween with John Carpenter's Halloween, where they did it without mm, score yeah. uh, and the, the critics who saw it, you know, it was like a pre-screener type thing. And the, the critics who saw it were like, this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen. And then he added the score and they're like, this is the most terrifying thing we've ever seen. And it's like, yep. and it's such a simple yep. score, you know, it's like five notes I'm just repeating over, you know, but, uh, yep. yeah, it's music. I, I, I've got friends who are musicians. I am musically inclined, but I don't play any instruments if that, you know, uh, I've got oh, a yeah, good no, ear for music. Perfect. Most people, you know, listen, that's yeah, how we, yeah. you know, uh, consume music is by listening to it. And that's the great place. Totally. Know? Yeah. That's it's, I've got, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, packed iPhone full of music and, you know, a whole bunch of MP3s oh, of from it, like most people do. And, uh, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I, one of my favorite things is to load up, I get a little Bluetooth speaker and I hook my iPhone up to it and, uh, play that while I'm, while I'm doing dishes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Simple right? that is. It's just one of my simple pleasures, you know? So, 
But uh, so oh, anyway. you're not you're not alone. You know, it's uh, that's a practice that happens in Africa as part of just the daily ritual. Really, it's always accompanied by music. Always, yeah. That that makes sense. That makes sense. It's 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 interesting though. I wish I wish I was one of those kinds of people though who could do their job with music playing or go to sleep with music playing. Oh, right. Yeah. It can be distracting. Yeah, exactly. I I, I focus on it too much. And then I, I start singing along and then it's like, Oh wait, what did I just type in? You know, whatever it happens to be. So, but, uh, right. You're transcribing the song into (laughs) this report you're writing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yes. So, but, uh, so yeah, tell me, tell me about yourself. Uh, I, I know the, the little bit that I saw from that, uh, uh, from the video, and, uh, but I, I, I know you were on my friend Chris's podcast recently and I haven't had a chance yeah, to listen to God. it, but the, the notes that he, uh, uh, he has like a contact sheet, uh, and the thing that you wrote on there, uh, really caught my attention and I was like, okay, yeah, I need to talk to this guy. Cause it's, it's one of those things that music is, it's around everybody. You know, everybody, oh, yeah. and, and it's yeah. it's something that, I'm not going to say you can't avoid it. It's something that most people don't want to avoid. It's, yeah. you know, it's part of our lives. It's, it's, in, it's in our commercials. It's in our radio jingles. It's in our movies. It's in elevators. It's everywhere. <laughs> so, but it's a yeah. good thing. It's a yeah. powerful thing. So, but. Uh, so, so basically, I'm convinced that, that music um, is almost as essential for us as food. If we didn't have music around us, it'd be like the guys watching Halloween without the track. Yeah. You know, that it'd be empty. And um, A, so I'm convinced of that. And secondly, it seems that a lot of our culture has lost its ability to use music effectively. Yeah, we listen to it, you know, stuff like that. But I could suggest to you, for example, there's probably music that would let you work without being distracted and that you'd find your productivity going up if you found and used that music. So uh, research is kind of supporting all this stuff. But uh, so I, I'm an advocate for a more skillful use of music in everything that we do. You know, now that you mention it, there was a there was a time at my job where I had a lot of uh, repetitive type work that I needed to do. And yeah. I was able to I, I found a YouTube channel that I was that all it did was it was it was lyricless uh music you know no, no vocals or anything and it was it was and i'm not a huge fan of hip-hop but every once in a while i like it you know hip-hop but this was just a it was like oh, that's perfect man yeah it was it just was let per- you keep on you know keeping on just like it, ride the beat until totally you get the job yes done. exactly and it was great and it was like one of these things that was like a like a radio channel almost and it was just of of you know just no lyrics just hip-hop calm mellow beats and it was perfect. In yeah. fact, I've got it bookmarked. And yeah, now that you mention it, that it did it did help me work almost better. I need to remember that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull that up when I'm on my on the job and just doing repetitive work. So, but oh, you said the, you said the magic word. It's remembering because we we all get this at a level that's like fundamental. Yeah. Like we all we all have this. Oh yeah, that's you know we, we like you said we've all connected with music in some way. So it's built-in skills that we just have, and all you have to do is sort of access them, and um, it, it changes your your music world from sort of being black and white to being you know color in 4D. Once nice. you understand what music really is doing to you, it becomes this this quest to just wow. Listen, you listen to your, the songs you've heard your entire life, Tim, man. 
you'll listen to them differently and they'll just come alive and knock you up the side of the head in some ways. It's just, it's frightening in, in a beautiful way. Uh, totally, totally. Well, and that's, you know, the, I've used that, I've used the analogy of listening to the music uh, uh, when it comes to things finally sinking in is, is there are songs and I'm guilty of it. I know most people are, is the fact that you can hear the same song a hundred times. And then finally one day you actually listen to it and it's a whole different meaning. And it's like, See, wow, that's the experience right yeah, there. Right? Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's powerful. It's powerful when I know I, <laughs> I, I do this. I mean, songs that I've played a hundred times and, 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 you know, my particular lane. So I grew up as a classical musician and classical musicians, particularly piano players and those in the, you know, the string section and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's our job to repeat the stuff that was written down. How well do you repeat it? What's your take on it? But if you're repeating the same notes, right? So once you learn something, it goes in there and you've got to be able to repeat it convincingly every time you play it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's, and that's a challenge, man. How many times can you sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and have it mean something? <laughs> put, put feeling but into it. That's, yeah. That's the analogy. <laughs> yeah. No, you know? that totally but, makes sense. So I've had songs get into me and sometimes 20 years later, a new meaning will come out of them, even though I play them frequently. <laughs> They'll just hit me. And um, so I, yeah, I'm quite familiar with that. I, I can't say that I have any special magic to open that up. I mean, I can lead you. It's like a horse. You, know, you lead the horse to water. I can lead people to that place, but whether they'll take the step, I mean, to put it in the context, look at what coronavirus is leading us to right now, to this dead end of something. And, and now we've got, you know, looting and rioting and, and race issues are back. Everybody's got an issue. They're all coming up to the forefront. So it's like that with music. I can lead you right to the level at which it comes home, but will you take the step on your own to really make it come home, whatever that step might be? Yeah. And, and oftentimes you don't know what the step is until you're right there on the edge of the cliff, right? It's like, oh, well, obviously, you know, I can't go any further, you know, left or right. So I've got to jump off here and see if there's a way to build the airplane on the way down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I tend to view things like the current crisis in that way. Um, the song I was talking about is one that came home to me when I faced my own uh, shadow death. There, there's a lot we can talk about with that, but yeah, yeah. when you're willing to go that far and to risk that much is when the great meaning of whatever it is comes home to you. Even the song is like Imagine that we've all sung and heard a thousand times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, we all know it's got meaning, but there's something deeper that's left in there too. Like it goes deeper than that, right? That's what music and poetry and arts are all about. It's totally, deeper meaning. Exactly. It's not just the surface uh, obvious meaning. I mean, there, yeah, there are, yeah, there yeah. are ones where, well, and, and one of my favorite things is when you've got a dichotomy of happy sounding music that when you listen to the lyrics, it's really dark. Oh yeah. Isn't that rich? I, yeah, love, I that love that. Yes. Yes. Uh, there was a band in it's, the um, 90s. It's the way, oh, go ahead. You know, paradox is that's the way musicians handle paradox. Yes. Right. Yeah. We, we, we write this upbeat or, or steal it like Paul McCartney did for Lady Madonna. I'll let you, because I know you've got one you're going to share too. But, you know, there's this great little, uh, it's a great boogie jive kind of song. And the, the lyrics are tragic about homelessness and poverty. Yes. <laughs> but, but you had one. You're yeah, going to well, talk about Just a, a band that comes to mind that was really good at this was uh, in the 90s. There was a band called Everclear. And okay, they, yeah. would do, uh, uh, they would do songs that were on the surface. They were very bouncy. And... It's, you know, it's about like abandonment uh, as a kid, you know, uh, uh, and if you didn't listen to the lyrics, 
you wouldn't really pay attention on that? Or how many times do people just catch the hook? And it's like, yeah, but the, well, hell, the song "Hook" by um uh, uh by Blues Traveler. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See. It's, and it, and by the way, the blues are great for this. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> blues is a great genre for for uh, happy music, sad words, or sad words totally. happy music. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the power of music right there is is you can almost argue that well they're tricking the listener. And it's like is it their own oh, yeah. inside joke? Are they you know are they are they doing it for that reason or are they doing it to really see who's really paying attention? Well, I'd like to suggest that it's um it may be subconscious in some ways, but I'd like to suggest that that very thing about music, sad words, happy music, you know where there's that opposite mm-hmm. right in the music Mm-hmm. is the lesson that we all need in being able to deal with things more skillfully because a lot of what, things in life are a paradox. Oh, yeah, and, totally. Um, have you seen the video of that woman outside her apartment in um, – it, it's in New York someplace. She's just screaming at people about, you know, this isn't helping. You know, why are you, why are you leading and burning? That's not what we – that's not the fight. You know, and she's just – she's got this incredible presence and obviously ability to communicate. But if you see that as an angry black woman yelling at somebody, you've missed the point. Yeah. The deeper level is what we're after there. And uh, that paradox is always there in music in some form. Even if, it, even if the words in the music are congruent, the paradox is still there. You know, Tim, you just have to look for it a little harder. It, it, totally, totally. That's, I, uh, I'll have to look for that video. I haven't seen that one. Um, oh, yeah. It's like millions of views. I'm sure. Um, it's, yeah, it's her, probably her point trendy. is, you know, it's like all this work we've done. Why are you – why – Where's the love right now? Why why don't you see that we're we we've made progress? This is undoing our progress, you know. That she's coming at it at this from this beautiful, compassionate place, which yeah. hey, it scares a lot of white people because we don't communicate at that same kind of um, passion with that same kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. But the message, you know, the message is like, oh my gosh, the message is equally as good as any that like Jack Kennedy ever said or or Ronald Reagan or pick your favorite white orator, right? So this woman <laughs> is right up there with that effectiveness. Yeah, truly. I'm I'm looking that up, and if I, I want to find it, if not, if if you could send me the link, I'll put it in the show notes because that's something oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, it, I would love to share. You'll find it. It it's out there, and um, oh, you know, it. I can't believe I've seen you mentioned it. Hip-hop and you you probably have. I mean, it, it's it's going around, but there's a lot of stuff going around right now. That's true. Yeah, um, I am. You know, as as a musician, you mentioned a bunch of bands. And it's so amazing that we have. Um, angry music right now, especially when it's popular music. And that could be angry like um, like Britney Howard and Goathead, or it could be angry like rap or hip-hop. Um, it's fantastic to have an outlet for anger right now. Yeah. That's that's safe, you know. Uh, and I've been... I've been caught by more than... Uh, more than a few times by a group that I thought was, like, just... It was just going to take me to this peaceful place, which I really need. And then the words come in, and the words are angry, and they're 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 righteous, you know. It's a righteous <laughs> anger, and it lets me feel that anger and feel that peace. It's really weird, dude. You know, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that is almost it, it's a cathartic type of feeling when you can have that it kind is. of thing. Yeah, totally. Which, oh, and it's freaking scary, man. It's, <laughs> it's like because what do you do with those feelings? It's totally, you know? totally. Because, yeah, you and, feel And often there's nothing you can do. You just have to be with them. You have to sit there. Entirely, <laughs> Like yes. the Buddha says, don't do anything, sit there. <clears throat> yeah, that's it, – it really – music is one of those things that I've I've always had a love of. I've ever since I've been little. I just – I never yeah. – I, w- I wish I had taken 
learning instruments a little more serious because I would love to do it. There are times where I'm so envious of somebody who can, you know, just bang out something on drums or 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 play something just off the cuff on a piano or on a guitar, you know, just doing a guitar solo because it's it, it seems like it's almost a for someone who can do that. It seems like it's it's a, it's another language that they can express themselves with that everybody can understand. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can do it with a hand drum in your, or your voice, though. You chant with people or yeah, you know, true. grab some hand drums. That is true. I had a friend who we, used to like doing that. They, he went to a, he was part of a men's group, uh, and that's what they would do. And it was just uh, yeah, drum and stuff. Yeah, exactly. We used to do that when the girls were younger. We used to do that in the family, and um, we'd all play hand drums together. And you can learn things about your kids, and of course, your kids are learning things about you too that you wouldn't learn otherwise. You know, you, you can tune into where they are at that emotional moment, or even if sometimes you can see it showing up as a mental moment, or uh, whether they need care or compassion, or whether they need encouragement, it all comes out in music. Yeah. It's amazing to watch that. And no skill required. I mean, anybody can bang a drum, right? Yeah, yeah. It's You're right. It's, uh, it's just a matter of uh, if you can keep the beat. <laughs> Oh yeah, and and to be honest with you, a lifelong musician, I have trouble with that. I I'm not the rock solid, you know, drummer that I wish I had in my head. So there's always challenges, of course. But yeah. it's never too late to start, man. I'm, I mean, you pick up an instrument, and there's so many satisfying instruments that are sort of newer technology that let you make create music that's above your skill level, which is satisfying, dude. You know, it's like it's great to be able to have. A drummer in a box or whatever you can download the stuff these days. Yeah, yeah, that really. You know, I've thought about getting one of those. Uh, what are they? They're just basically they look like just a wooden box um, that you. Oh yeah, you know, the home. Yes, exactly, and and just getting something yeah. like that just to to bang on that because I always find myself banging on. I got a gut, so banging on my gut, <laughs> you know, making oh, drum beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, the the cajon is cool because you you get to, you sit on it while you're playing it if you're doing it right yeah and so the vibration that you're making with your hands um, resonates right in your body yeah yeah which and is that's, that's, that's really cool. exactly and, and that's kind of what I'm doing with my with hitting my gut it's different different yep. ways of hitting it yeah so I could totally that's why that instrument in this, in particular kind of makes sense to me in this in the sense that. Uh, I could see the different ways of you hitting it or lifting it with your foot or whatever kind of stuff, the different techniques I've seen. I, I kind of like the guys who yeah. play uh, buckets, like in subways. You oh, know, my the, gosh. The, Have you seen those street guys? Yes. Playing on just junk? Just garbage, yeah, oh. and it's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's – They are amazing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Talk about inspirational. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one is we'll see them in person again. But, yeah, that's incredible. I, I used to lead a um, – music class for homeless people and oh, wow. um, once a month we do a drum circle and you know getting a whole bunch of hand drums for homeless people it's expensive so i just picked up a bunch of those buckets from home depot yeah totally. drumsticks. exactly i mean it's, and it's so satisfying I'm, I'm sure i'm sure and they probably there's probably a, that feeling of fellowship that they get from just having that experience which that's cool that you do things like that because that's uh oh man nothing like it yeah it, it's you know you got you know, a drum circle, certified, you know, music therapy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Pick up a drum, <laughs> you know, and, and do it with your family. Uh, when, when things loosen up a little bit more around where we live, uh, we're in sort of like 
rows of townhouses. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of breaking out the drums, doing sort of a neighborhood drum circle thing and just getting people drumming from their porches for once in a while, you know? That could be cool. That could be very cool. Almost a... Uh, it's infectious. What's that? It's infectious. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's that's the thing is, it's, is, is I think a lot of times there's that hesitation of people in general when it comes to music is there's that fear of being judged. There's that fear of being... Um, Sure. You know, not accepted, uh, uh, or 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 maybe you've, you're you're not as good as you think you are, so you just don't want to try it. You know, um, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's, and I think a lot of times that um, you know people just don't want to be involved, or they get embarrassed, or they. But I, I think if if yeah, if you had a neighborhood doing it, I think a lot of people would be more inclined, especially because, well, it's kind of just happening all around them. So why not join in? Yeah, exactly. Why not join in? It, it's sort of sad to me that in the West, we tend to give up music to the experts instead of um, participating more fully in it as makers. You know, we're, we're, we're great observers. Yeah. But you're right. There's a shame and stuff like that. And, and that just may be our American way of looking at things. It's like, you know, if you want something done right, you find the person who's best at doing it instead of learning how to do it yourself. And uh, music has been well, the arts have kind of been pushed to the side, you know, yes, it, it's have. not something that's present. What, what is it? it was said that in the 1890s, there were more pianos in America than there were bathtubs. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was like, you know, TV or social media today. So music was our social media at the turn of the 19th century or maybe into the 20th century. But we've kind of lost that now. And, um, you know, we don't have family sing-alongs anymore, although no. I know at holiday there's and sing-alongs, but you know, it isn't the same as it as it say in Africa. We mentioned Africa, so there's lots of um, everyday music in Africa, and everybody participates. And some people get really good at it, and they become the, you know, there's there's a job description in Africa for the the local town musician who is supposed to sort of chronicle the life of the city in music. Wow. There's an actual job description. That's I wish. So the, I wish the yeah. arts were more. Uh, I I went to school for art. I've been stuck in IT for the last 25 years. And yeah, join the crowd. Me too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like the that 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 place where it's like, well, you can you know find a job in X because well, there's jobs there because yeah, people don't they don't take music or the arts or you know in general or 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 writers or anything like that. I mean, yeah, you could find the occasional graphic design job. You could find the occasional. Uh, 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 jingle writer type of thing or you could find the occasional oh, sure, copywriter yeah. type of position or technical writer but yeah there's not commissioned artwork you know, that, that there was a there was a a, a a sense of pride when your your uh, um uh royalty would commission a symphony and hire someone to make that and that person made a living off of that and the 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 you know the the commissioned uh uh the person person doing the commissioning was able to have a sense of pride, like, yeah, I hired the right person to do that, so to speak. But they yeah. they were the ones that they could almost feel some ownership in that. And but it allowed people to have those kinds of 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 careers. You know, maybe there were less yeah. people back then, so it was a little bit easier to do. Um there was you know, in one regard, you've got things like YouTube. And social media and all that, which has made it a very 
a sounding, you know, platform for everybody to be able to be seen and heard. But in the yeah. same sense, it's it's only drowned everybody in so much material. I mean, TV shows. Yeah. I, you know, when we were growing up, it was it was a three big networks, you know, maybe Fox here and there. Exactly. Kind of yeah. And so when somebody was on TV, they were they were, you know, something to be reckoned with. And now there's so many channels and so many different outlets that it's like, <clears throat> you know, the, the the Nielsen ratings would make it to where, you know, it would it it wouldn't even be registered on the radar yeah, not, back. In not the relevant days. anymore. It's not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's there's a fascination I have. And speaking of music, where I look at like, um, and I know Wikipedia isn't a uh, solid source for information, but a lot of the stuff that I'm that I'm referring to here in a second is I would say is pretty pretty uh, uh, consistent. There'd be no reason to lie. And the reason why I bring it up is I'm fascinated by when you look back on music from the '60s, '70s, '80s, and I'm fascinated with the numbers of where they placed on the billboard charts, where they placed it in terms of, you know, record sales and things like that. And you'll see songs that were, their album was 110 on billboard, but it was still double gold or platinum or whatever. And then you'll see albums yeah. now that might sell 50,000 copies and they're number six on the billboard charts. Because there's just yep. so much competition, you know. So and on one hand, it's good. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's 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 almost got to be discouraging for people to say, why bother? At least that's how I look at it in the sense. And and I think it's well, you're you're right. So much. So much content. This, yeah. You know, I'm a filmmaker and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, eh. You know, it's, it's, it's because everybody, right. they'll get, they'll get an SLR and they're like, well, I'm a filmmaker too. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not discouraging anybody. Make your movie, make that, write that story, put it down, do it, just do it, do garbage. Garbage is better than nothing, you know? And then you learn yeah, from yeah. garbage and uh, uh, just like music, you learn from doing music, you learn and you build and, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's like, it needs to be more for the love of it rather than trying to be discovered because I don't, I think those days of being discovered as a musician are probably not coming to an end, but are few and far between. Yeah. There, there's a, um, there's sort of a homogenous nature now to music. Yeah. And, and that's true. You know, I'm trying to, every night we try to figure out what to watch from the hundreds of available options. Well, we don't have thousands, we have hundreds, but yeah. even hundreds, Yeah. you know, it's like, and, and none of it really rises to a level that speaks um, in a unique voice. Yeah. It's all pretty much the same stuff, different plot, different actors, same story. Yeah. You know, and, and you're right. How do we, how do you distinguish yourself? And uh, what I love about artists like Lizzo to talk about music for a second, um, she's managed to bring a usefulness to music into her performance. So she actually talks to the audience about how it is that music is helping her. Who is this? Lizzo? L Lizzo. Yeah. I, I, and that's, you know, that's kind of distinguished her in a, in a way. I mean, obviously her music is amazing. She wouldn't be winning Grammys unless the music itself was amazing. I can't believe but I've she's never heard also of got this. Oh dude. Yeah. So check out Lizzo. And of course I mentioned Brittany Howard. There's another one. Yeah. I want, um, I want to check out. But, in fact, yeah, I think give my, them a listen. 
Yeah, my, my my friend I think was playing some Brittany Howard coincidentally yesterday uh, on a uh, a meeting. He's one of those types that he can listen to music and do work. Um, we were on a work meeting and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. it's like, hey, what is that? And and he, I think it was Brittany Howard that he mentioned, and I'd never heard of her too. And and I try to keep up on new music, but there's so much. Oh, it's hard. It is. It's hard. There's so much. You know, I see people where they they so they come up in in uh, uh, you know. Uh, Apple News or whatever, and they mention a celebrity, and I, and I and, and I know they're a musician, but it's like I've never heard a single thing of theirs, and I'm like, okay, am I getting old, or is it just that there's so much of it out there? But uh, oh, there's so much. Yeah, so to be you know that is really it's really a challenge anymore. Yeah, since the vinyl record and the CD industry uh, was taken over by digital streaming, and so music is is looking for a reason, a purpose, and. Uh, you know, there's an analogy here that's really helpful because if you can experience something in music and take a musical journey with uh, Brittany, ha- Brittany Howard's song Goathead, for example, which is what it's like to go out to a family car and see a goat head in the back seat. <laughs> you know, um, that was that was her childhood. Wow. But if you can experience that alongside her, um, it's, it's a very safe way of getting in touch with your emotional response to that. And that's like practice. So listening to go ahead over and over gets you into that place where you understand the emotional response because it's echoed in the music and you can feel that in your own self. So when you go out then and, and encounter something that is abhorrent to you, you already know like how you work in that environment. You've already got some practice offline as a friend of mine says, so that when you go out and find the abhorrent thing that's online, that's in your face, you already know a little bit about how you can respond to that. So it's in addition to being, a practical way music is this metaphor for hey if you can do it in music you can probably do it in real life you know what i'm saying yeah but it gets it gets into you like physically and emotionally and 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 mentally and even on a spiritual level it gets into you when you suddenly realize what it must have felt like to be the child of a mixed race of parents to go out to your family car and go to school and, and that morning find, you know, a goat's head in the backseat. I see. I didn't even know what the connotation That's- of that was. I thought my, my mind, you know, and that, that brings up something interesting about, uh, uh, I, I, I was watching a video today about the concept of, of dealing with race and racism as a white person. It's like, yeah, we just don't get it. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know yeah, that that don't. was a thing. I did not know that was a thing. A goat head. I, I seriously was like, my thought was like, oh, they're, they're, her parents must have been goat farmers, and she was little and was traumatized when all of a sudden there was one time that a goat head ended up in the back seat. That's what my mind thought. I had no idea yeah. that it was something that awful. That's why when I giggled, yeah, it, now it, I feel bad that I giggled. I was like, geez, that's, that, that's very – I feel ashamed that I even <laughs> laughed at that because I didn't know what the kind of was. No, 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 was. dude. It, the journey's perfect, and thank yeah. you for taking it with me because totally. you know, I didn't know that either. I've, I've seen, I'm in my closest approximation of anything close to what, what goat's head might be. It's, I mean, it's a delicacy. Some, some cultures eat it as a, um, it's like you can only, if you're at the very top level of the society, that's the delicacy that comes out for your dinner, right? Totally. Yeah. And so that's where I was on it. Yeah. And I had, you know, no idea that there was a racial connotation. And of course, as I'm listening to this really groovy song, I don't know what's coming and I'm just in the groove and I'm just listening to the words and just being with the music first time I heard it. And all of a sudden I realized what's going on and my heart just stopped, you know, yeah. like, whoa. That's right? that power we were talking about earlier. Really groovy song. That's the power. That is just a real gut punch when you actually hear it. 
and you did it right with me, right? Now you're going to listen for the listen oh, to the I'm, song. Oh, I'm listening to the song. Coming. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, I wrote yeah, this so one that, down. That's the power. So when, when Lizzo and, and Brittany Howard are coming out with that kind of music, yeah, which is an evolution of where we've been with rap for a long time, but I think that the, the power in those songs, they're crossing over. They're crossing the racial divide. And they're finding compassionate people in all places who hear them. And uh, they allow us to feel that right alongside Howard or Lizzo. They allow us to feel that, what it was like. And at a deep level, we're starting to get that, you know? And hey, as a white guy, I can never, ever imagine being in the shoes of Brittany Howard as a kid seeing that yeah it, it defies imagination for me but i can still feel the gut punch you know and that that's, changes me yeah yeah the, somehow you know that, that that's the moment where you step over the cliff and go okay what the hell now where's the net but you can't not step off the cliff once you hear it that way you know yeah it's one of those you can't unsee it you can't unhear it type of deal yes well said well said and hey, you know, if if there are people out there who can afford to make that music and give it to me and, and you know, I can consume it in some way and there's no other way to offer them an exchange for that because the music came to me free on NPR or whatever. Yeah. The most I can do with that is to go out and try to offer that lesson in the world somehow in some meaningful way so that the message continues. Yeah. You know, because that's more important than money. And and Brittany Howard's doing okay. I mean, she's she's holding together. She's a, she's at the level where she's making money off this. It's not a side hustle for her, right? That's cool, then. Yeah. And 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 thank you, thank you, Brittany Howard. Right. Definitely. So I just pay it forward as much as I can by like sharing the story of how that thing hit me in the gut. And 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 you've not, now you've got it, Tim. You, you know you're you're in it too, right? Yeah. So um, that's I'm, the usefulness in the music that's inviting us to do this, you know, more in some way. That's not just repeating the noise. And hell, there are bands out there. I, I found a band called The Who. Look for The Who, man. <laughs> they are, it's spelled H-U. It's Mongolian. Oh, I thought It's like Mongolian throat singing metal. It's, it's, dude, H-U. it is so incredible. Okay. H-U, The Who. Yeah, so uh, Mongolian metal, metal music. But, um, you know, to get to that level, um, I don't know what it takes, but certainly if there's a message or an, uh, an activist note in music, like you talked about the '60s, all those activist bands from the the, the, the folk and rock eras. Totally, oh, incredible stuff. So we're getting them; they're out there. And and you know, go Lizzo, go Britney Howard, go anybody. If you got a message in your music and it's resonating, you know, play it, play more. <laughs> Figure out a way to get to the top of the Grammys. You know, whatever it yeah. takes, we want you. Get get into. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer. Coming from the standpoint of being a filmmaker, I am a firm believer in the power of a good soundtrack on a movie. And, oh, definitely. Sure. And you know, it, it's, it's, there's certain movies that stick out, you know, where it's, there are moments where it's just, even though the song has nothing to do with it, there is just a way that this particular song is used and it's just perfect. And if people uh, uh, like Brittany Howard can get song into a movie in a certain scene, like there's, there's one scene in particular that comes to mind where it was from Goodwill Hunting, and there's a scene where they get in a in a schoolyard. And of course, these are guys in their twenties at the time. Schoolyard type brawl, and all of a sudden, there's a 
an echoed, hollowed-out version of of Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street playing, and it's mm-hmm. just magical. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it, but it it just resonated with me to the point where it was like this is this is almost you know on another level of of scoring for a movie. And yeah, Baker Street has nothing to do with that scene. But the way that it the way that it played with it, it just to me it was just perfect. You know, uh, uh, stuck in the middle with you uh, uh, again, another Jerry Rafferty coincidentally. Uh, uh, well, uh, 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 Steelers Wheel, but used in Reservoir Dogs, another perfect example of score in a movie. And I think when and and it, it becomes part of the cultural. Uh, um, uh, What's what I'm looking for? Just, just it becomes part of the 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 the, the general population's concept of of a thing uh, because it becomes such a cultural yes. moment. Yeah. Uh, where uh, if you you know if she can get a song like Goat's Head in a scene in a movie, people might remember it more and might remember to look for it more. You know that's why I would love to see artists like that be able to get more exposure in. Uh, uh, movies and, and soundtracks and things of that nature because I, I think there's a lot of power when you can combine a visual with the audio, you know, providing that the visual doesn't overpower it because then the audio just gets lost. Then the, then the music just gets lost in the visual. So there's a fine balance right. there, you know? Uh, you know, you got it. I mean, I'm <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's use of music is oh, yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, he does a great job. Just phenomenal. Oh, and, and so astute. I mean, the, he curates music around his his scenes in such a remarkable way. And, you know, most of the time he gets it right. There are times where it, for all of us, there are times where it doesn't work. But, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, who cares? Who can forget the music to the psycho shower scene, right? Totally. Yes. And it, it's not even music. It's just like these <laughs> screeching no violins, but it's yeah. so perfect. And everybody knows it. <laughs> and know? it's such a, it's, it's a, it's a part of our culture now. And that's like, um, like, like taps or, you know, yeah. the national anthem, the national a great anthem. controversial piece of music right now. Yeah, really. Um, Jaws, the Jaws theme, you know, there's sure, certain yeah, things Jaws. that all you've got to do is hear it and it brings all those visuals and all those pieces together, uh, whether it's remembering the movie or whether it's remembering the emotion of the scene of the sequence. So yeah, it's, um, yep. I, I, I can't agree with you enough that that music is powerful and that's, that is, um, uh, yeah, I think that's one of those things where I, uh, I, I wish one thing that really on a personal note. So I've got a son who's actually got a great ear for music. He's he he's cool. good with music. He's in uh he you know in the school bands and all that. He's always the one that's that's keeping everybody on beat. He's got a good good rhythm, good everything, but he has no interest in music whatsoever. But he's good at it. And it's like I try and show him music and and he just doesn't he doesn't really seem to care. He doesn't because when I was a kid, I'm serious. I when I was really little, I would I would list off what was on the top 40s and all that kind of stuff because I was I had older siblings, so I got exposed mm-hmm. to music from them. So I've had a love of music. You know, each one of my siblings contributed to my musical taste in a little bit different way. Um, and yep. you know, I was the youngest, so I had in, influence from all of them. And it was just a case where I I just I couldn't wait till he got old enough to where I could share with him some music, and he's just like, Nah, I'm good. He's all about videos that are video games, not, not from a, yeah. and not even just playing yeah. video games. He likes to program. So I'm like, I'm encouraging that. It's like, cause I know he'll do good at that. Um, and he's written music. 
he's written music in his video games. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. like, why are you not interested in music? You're good at it. He's like, eh, it's just not my thing. So eh, maybe he'll come into it later, you know, but. Yeah, I had a buddy in the 90s who was, you know, we were IT at the time, and this guy was pretty high up and doing really incredible stuff, you know, cellular communications and things. But his side hustle was writing music for video games. Nice. And at one point, um, he retired. Wow. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And and the remarkable part was this guy was not a musician. He couldn't play a note to save your soul. But he could create the music. Of course, we had digital tools. So mm-hmm. he could write the music, compose the music. That was very convincing and um, and clearly lucrative for him. Yeah, <laughs> so, apparently. You know, the the Renaissance man concept, a Renaissance woman, let's not be exclusive here, Renaissance totally. them, mm-hmm. Renaissance us, being able to do so many things well, I mean, it may just be that he's like, oh, yeah, music, I got that skill. I can employ that doing this. You yeah. know, and it just becomes part of a bigger project. Unlike me, I mean, unlike the musician, right? It's, it's either music or nothing. I'm not combining it with, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Outside my wheelhouse. That no, I, it, and you're probably right. It, it he probably looks at it the same way somebody is able to mow a lawn. You know, they're like, yeah, right, I can right. mow my lawn. I'm yeah. not going to go become a a, a a professional lawn care company, but I can mow my own lawn, and that's all I need. You know, so he might just look at it that practical. So. Whereas I'm a little and jealous because it's like, no. yeah, he can do music. <laughs> you know? well, well, yeah, music. right. I, I know. Yeah. Well, no, it's like the music has become just more of the way things are, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Music skills, no problem. I got a plug in. <laughs> it, totally. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, but, uh, so, you know, I, and, and I've got a, I got a question for you though. So I, the, the concept of the podcast is let's laugh about death, which is, Let's contemplate what happens when we die. Do you yeah. think from a music standpoint, and this is something I've never really thought about or considered, what do you think – well, we'll get, we'll touch upon what you think happens when we die, but this is a question I like to pose to you. What, what kind of music do you think there is on the other side if you think there's another side? Okay, so um, I'm convinced that there's another side and that consciousness continues – I, um, I am as well. I'm not sure. I, I don't know how that happens. I've my dad was big into um, near death experiences and life after life when that book came out, and so he read widely on that. I've read some of those books. We've talked, but I am convinced that consciousness continues, and and that um, in whatever physical form, you know, it may reappear as a reincarnated being. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me that the Dalai Lama probably has the best sort of information on that, and. Um, Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, which a friend of mine is just reading, is something I need to get around to reading at some point too. So, it's anybody's guess, of course, but oh, my preference exactly. would be that you know <laughs> that the consciousness goes on. Um, there's a pretty corny investigation of that right now on uh, Amazon Originals. I think it's called Upload, and um, it's written by a guy with some creds. A guy, you know, a great comedy writer, comedy writer, wrote The Office, wrote some other stuff, but I. The um, upload kind of fails in the comedy department. It's too uh, smarmy or something. But investigating what happens, you know, how how do you preserve your consciousness after you die? Um, So uh, that's kind of where I am. So the second part of that question was what? Um, What happens? What what do you think? What do you? Is there music on the other side? What's the sound? Yeah. Yeah, What's the sound there? Because it makes me wonder. So um, you know, the sun makes a sound. They they recorded that. 
Okay. Or, or they haven't actually recorded. They've taken the, the the they've measured the frequencies and then they've translated those into frequencies that we can hear the human ear frequencies. And um, some people think it sounds like ohm. Uh, you can go online and listen to it. To me, it kind of sounds like boing, but there's an <laughs> ohm quality to it. Okay. And, you know, music of the spheres, that whole thing. So everything's vibrational. And oh, of course, obviously, yeah. if it's vibrating, these are making lighter sound to human beings. But there are probably frequencies beyond light and sound because, you know, they've been able to measure kind of the sound or, or the light aura around a black hole. And in, that's vibrational, too. So whether it tickles your eardrums and you pick that up as what you hear or it tickles your eyes and the retinas pick up um, color or light or you feel it on a vibrational level that you might feel the vibration of the earth, if that's your thing. Um, there are people who pick up sound that way. And certainly there are, uh, there's a very famous um, deaf percussionist who plays with symphonies and picks up all of the vibrations through her feet, visually and through her feet. So um, th there's possibilities for perception that are outside of our five senses. And I suspect that it's those senses that continue with us in our disembodied state, like when our, when our human body disappears and dies. I suspect that those kinds of perceptions are still uh, available to consciousness, what we might call ESP here in the human form. And, you know, those, those things where we can't explain it, yeah. you know, I Deja suspect that those are the kind of things going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes what, sense. It, it, and, you know, people who experiment with psychedelics and things like that report that their experiences of color and sound in, in very magnificent ways. And, and that may be our uh, maybe a return to primal consciousness or something that lets us experience the world in that way. It's, it's, uh, it's an, an amazingly curious question. I, I can't wait to find out, you know, not that I'm interested <laughs> in dying soon, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it'll be cool to know. If, you exactly. Know, that's the, the sad part is I... I suspect that whatever we've learned in this life doesn't become available to us as memory uh, once we transition. Probably uh, not. Memory probably stays with the, the physical body, but consciousness continues. So um, uh, who knows? My guess. Yeah. It's a paradigm I tend to work in, you know, sort of congruent with how I, how I think and believe and feel right now. So it works. Well, and, and, and you know, you, you brought up an interesting point about, about how, the memory doesn't continue on uh, uh, with consciousness, but consciousness is still there. It's maybe, maybe when it comes to that level, consciousness is more who we are and our memories are just the way we would treat a meal right now. You know, we might get glimpses yeah, of a yeah. meal, but we're, I don't, I can't recall every single meal I've ever had. And so you're not going right. to recall every single memory that you've had, but you might get little glimpses here and there that still make up part of your your who your personality, if you will, is, um, but yeah, that's that's the that's the concept of 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 what happens when we die. That fascinates me is that it comes down to that whole fact that no one really knows. It's yeah, something yeah. that affects everyone, and nobody it's supposed to be a mystery. It's right? a mystery, yeah, and and nobody completely knows what's going on. There are people who think they might got you know got it figured out. There are people who are completely convinced. You know, and, and I've yeah. mentioned before, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy for them because they have no question. This is what's going to happen. This is where I'm going. This is what's cool. And I'm not saying that I'm yeah, I'm, I'm questioning this because I'm I'm concerned. I've made peace with the fact that I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. 
it's it's just part of yeah. life it's uh you know what is the old saying uh uh, uh, two guarantees in life, death and taxes or something, you know, right, and it's, right. it's, uh, it, it's just, that is going to happen. So there's no point in worrying about it. There's no point in, in, uh, you know, yeah, try and delay it as much as you can. Don't intentionally go do anything to, to, to discover that answer. But like you said, it's, it's, I, I'm not saying I can't wait to find out, but I am definitely curious. I'm curious to find out what there is because I know there's a hell of a lot more than we're aware of what's going on. There's an invitation that that we're hearing more and more to um, become fluent in your own death, uh, to have a good death, and and I'm and I'm not saying that you choose how you're going to die. That's mm-hmm. not the point here. But to be well prepared when it's your time to go, and whatever the activities or things are that you need to to undertake to make sure that you're ready at that moment or important activities that, that you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can ignore them. It doesn't matter if you know about them and want to do them or whatever. It's not, that's not the point. But if you're interested in um, having a good death, it of course means living a good life or mm-hmm. living it fully as much as possible. But part of the experience of death is one that the near-death people tell us or those who've, who've actually passed and come back um, is is practical. It, it's something you can practice now. You can you can begin to learn how to face that moment through experiences like the shadow death I was talking about. Yeah, doing I, a shadow met, I wrote that down. What what exactly is that? If you could expand on that. Well, it's what it is is the great theme of uh, most dramatic writing and and film that's you know ever been made. It's it's Luke going into the cave and Yoda staying outside and Luke having to face the hologram of his father. It's you know Lancelot back in the days of King Arthur and all of the quests and journeys and stuff that the knights had to take. Um, but that uh, it's the hero's journey to, in Joseph Campbell's words. Gotcha. Okay. But it's that facing your, facing yourself, facing the darkest part of yourself willingly and, um, and with all the terror that goes with that, but to do it on purpose to learn what is there for you, like to complete your training as Yoda might say, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and not running away from it. That's the shadow work. And there's lots of people written on this. The psychological, um, there's probably Jungian psychologists who've written about doing the shadow work. But in every paradox, you know, you have the opportunity. So it's learning how to greet life, um, not with certainty, but with a appetite for the question that exists within every aspect of light. And not with judgment. I mean, light and dark are a good analogy, but it doesn't mean that dark is wrong and light is right. Mm-hmm. It just means that there's a couple of sides to the question, and your job is to inhabit both sides fully, but walk through the middle. It's it's a yin-yang kind of thing rather than a good-bad. Completely. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, um, I mean, obviously we can say, well, racism is bad. Oh, of course. But, you know, there the issues can come down to not just racism, but understanding what it's like to be a black person as fully as you can, what it's like to be a white person, and then choosing something that is somewhere um, honors both as the way forward. And, you know, it won't be too long where uh, whites will be the minority worldwide. And that's going to change the the conversation, right? You know, but so um, you could choose that as a vehicle. Uh, We talked about how that's available in music to be able to grasp both sides of the paradox, but still continue through, like keep on dancing, right? Yeah. It's the blues, it's sad music, the words are happy. So what do you do? You dance, because that's what you do 
right? With with a paradox, you dance with it. So, uh, golly, where am I going with all this? It, it, using <laughs> using that as your vehicle for moving through life prepares you in a way for a good death because you haven't resisted it. You know, you haven't said, "Oh, I'm not going into the dark. It's bad in there." Sorry, Yoda. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to take the journey. Or, well, I mean, pick any movie. You can find that journey happening it's, all the time. When you mentioned uh, Shakespeare, you mentioned Lancelot. Do you do you remember the old uh, uh, Excalibur movie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's one of corny my favorite, movie, but yeah, it's corny, but I still a journey, love it. Right? Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of that Lancelot scene where he's fighting mm -hmm. with himself, and he literally wakes up to a version of him in a full suit of armor, and he's laying there with Guinevere, uh, nude. And he gets stabbed yeah. by himself, and uh, and it's 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 an interesting metaphor because years later, you know, not, spoiler alert, but hell, the movie's forty years old. Uh, years later, um, <laughs> he still has that wound that he's been fighting, and he's been living with that wound for for you know however many years it is in the movie, and it's just yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's corny, but it's it's honestly, I, I it's still I I still think it's a great movie because it's one of those. One of those uh, movies that showed real gore in a battle scene that you didn't really see much before then. You yeah, know? yeah, it was groundbreaking. That it was way. groundbreaking you know? at the time, yeah. And in fact, I heard that the director was going to do a Lord of the Rings series back then. Um, but it oh, wow. Up, uh, that would have been cool. Yeah, totally. And uh, and don't get me wrong. I love I love the uh, the Lord of the Rings that came out at the 2000s. Those I thought were phenomenal movies. Yeah, the Peter Jackson. Peter yeah. Jackson. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. Um, and uh, but yeah, this uh, the guy uh, uh, who I hate to say I don't don't recall who directed uh, Excalibur. But yeah, that was uh, I'd read that that uh, that he was at least I, I'm pretty sure it was that was the circumstance that he was going to do. Uh, but they ended up doing just Excalibur because it was a lot easier to do just one movie rather than a trilogy type of thing. So yeah, that what a huge project, uh, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit oh, were. Oh man, that's, yeah. But but the point is, you know, the, the point is so apt because that's the story. I mean, that is that is in fact the central journey of our life. Whether you're look, reading it in the Bible or reading it, you know, in your latest uh, dramatic comedy, it's that's the story, and we love to watch people grapple with that. Probably if we thought about it for a second or two, we'd understand why, because that's the story for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you remember the movie like El, El Cid? That's a great one. The 300. Mm -hmm. um, there are incredible movies that have dealt with this in a very dramatic way. And, and obviously to take it through to its consequences, um, th that's their point. But I think this also happens in comedy. I mean, every romance oh, is yeah. a story of the shadow journey. What yeah. are you going to give up about yourself in order to fall in love with this other person? Who's also giving up something of their self to fall in love with you? Totally. There's you no. Know, uh, uh, how do Dan, you embrace that paradox? Yeah. It, well, and Dan Harmon, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of the show Rick and Morty. Um, it's not for everybody, okay. but uh, Dan Harmon, he's he's worked on other things, but he's he's developed the uh, the hero's journey into a circular type of. Uh, visualization uh, that you can use as, as a guideline for writing a story. And one of those, one of the things before they, you know, they go after what they want. And one of the things is they, they have to have, a, there's a, something they, they give up to get what they want. That's part of it. And, and, yep. it, and you can see it in, in everything in star Wars in, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, blues brothers, anything it, it, there's it to, to tell a oh, story. Yeah, it's, that's, there. it's, it's there. It's totally there. And, and at the end of your life, you know, 
you need to be prepared to give up your physical body because of what's come, because you've had so much experience with doing that, you know, making that exchange that, you know, that you're ready for consciousness, for pure consciousness at that moment. Yeah. You know, that's, and you welcome that. And, you know, like you pointed out, like everything that gets our attention encourages us, encourages us to be ready for that moment and to practice it now. I mean, it's fun to watch it vicariously. Don't get me wrong. I love going to the movies. Oh, I don't yeah. have to, you know, go fight my father with a lightsaber. <laughs> but, you know, the invitation is there to really take a closer look, you know. And if you think about it at that level and get beyond the literal level and start to read beneath the lines, um, it can be a terrifying, you know, moment. And it's, it's all, at least in my experience, in my own life, it's terrifying to confront those things in yourself oh, yeah. and to realize that you, you may not survive. I mean, that's, that's literally how it feels. If you're going to do shadow work, you may not actually survive. But the more the familiarity, you know, the more practice you get, the better at it you are. Yeah. Uh, you can be a pretty good knight. You know, Lancelot was an incredible knight. He had his issues. Yeah. And his, he, his practice of them, you know, destroyed a lot of stuff because it was messy and, and uncomfortable. And, and, you know, it took nothing away from his accomplishments. Exactly. But it transformed his character in, the, in a huge way. Same with Luke, you know. And I mean, even with Darth Vader, you see his transformation too. Now that we've got all the movies, we can look at it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what a great journey, and and it's it's a hero's journey because you got to be a flipping hero to start. Yeah. It's not that you're going to survive. Everybody's going to die. It's the courage to start, to take that first step. That's the heroic step. That's the heroic you know, step. It's that's over, it's over the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why I I, I am so encouraged by. You know, people who are facing something like a like a health issue and they don't give up. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's really it's inspiring. And I and I don't want to say I love seeing those because that's almost like, a, you know, I'm, I, I've got some kind of like sick thing of seeing other people's, you know, uh, uh, suffering. That's not what it is. I love seeing them from the standpoint of they encourage me and I love seeing people overcome whatever obstacle it is. You know, the, 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 yeah. the terminal illness that they've managed to somehow beat and they didn't give up. And a lot of yeah. it is that spirit to continue that keeps people from not dying because, you know, we, it, I think we give a lot of, um, a lot of authenticity to people who've survived those things yeah. because they've taken a shadow journey that, that we didn't, you know, we, we see that they've survived their shadow journey and it's yes. And, and it, that it, makes us. Inspired, it, it inspires us. <laughs> it, it definitely inspires us. Yes, yes. So, but and, uh, and hopefully, it, you know, helps us recognize that we can do it too. If it, if it were to come to that, you know, oh yeah. If I had to go out there right now and and stand between the rioters and the riot police as a human shield, um, could I do that? I don't know. But if if it came down to it, you know, and I had the right inspiration and all the stars lined up and I actually made peace with my death. Yeah. And I was given that opportunity. Well, yeah, I probably would. I probably would take that opportunity, you know. And there are people out the there. there. There are people out there right now. I saw a video today where it was two guys talking about, you know, kind of kind of there's there's a better way. It was it was an interesting video. It was a guy who was 45. Uh, they were three black guys. There was a guy who was 45, yeah. there was a guy who was 31, and then there was a kid who was 16. And the guy who was 31 was kind of talking to both of them, and he's like, 
he's like uh, the 45 year old, the way it, it, it sounded was basically there was a lot of commotion and everything. Plus, I was watching it on my phone. So the audio wasn't the best. But uh, he was like, you know, we're standing around. We're just kind of doing, you know, kumbaya type of stuff. He's like, this isn't doing anything. And, the, and then the 31 year old guy was like, yeah, but we can't go doing what we're doing. And it was just it was very powerful. And and then he mm-hmm. turns to the 16 year old kid. He's like, you've got to find a better way. I mean, it was so powerful. It looked scripted. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it was. And maybe it was. And you know what? If it was, but, so but be you know it. We, it's we need a story. it. It's a story. If, if who cares if it's a script? It's it's the it's the story. Yeah, right? but it was it's those of us who say we we are doing what we can and now younger generation join us. Do it. You know, it, now it's up to you. We're handing you the baton. Yeah. That's the story. That's the story. And it's but, and know, it was just it was so powerful. I was just like, "Holy shit, while I'm watching this thing." And it was like, yeah, you know, it was it was amazing. And and, <clears throat> you know, I don't think it was just a PR stunt because there were a bunch of people filming it. And it was, you know, it was like guys getting in an argument. And but again, you know what? It, it, let it be a PR stunt. If it gets a message across, that's all that matters. Why? Th- music. If music can get it across, yeah. how would it be any different from that? You it's know? a total manipulation. You yeah. know, music is is when you use it properly you're actually changing somebody else's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual um, effect. Bingo. That's what music does. And um, if you use that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Use that for good. (laughs) Yes. You know, all kinds of stuff. Use it for bad. And, well, I mean, there are places where it's been weaponized. We got Noriega, I guess, to surrender. And, um, you know, there have been other places where music is used to, to terrorize people. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's how powerful it is. And um, once you know that you've got something that's powerful, whatever the modality is, it, it really doesn't interest me what the modality is. If you've got it and it's working, you know, deploy that for good because that's, yeah. that's going to change things. So kudos to those guys. Post yeah. that, share that. That's Absolutely. an incredible video. People need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know what? In fact, I'll put it in the show notes because I, I think it was – if I can find it again – that and I'll post that one that you were talking about. I'll find that woman uh, uh, talking on her, uh, you know, screaming from her porch. Um, oh yeah, I, I can send that to you. I, I yeah, thought again send this morning. Me that. So because it's yeah. if it's one thing, if there's one thing I'm learning from this, because I'll be honest with you, the last the last group of 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 the the, the riots and everything, I would sit there and say, yeah, but I don't understand the <clears throat> I don't understand the uh, 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 why riot or why looting and all that? And it's like, yeah, but you know what? There's a, there's a saying. I think it was it was. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, riots. It was Martin Luther King. Riots are. Oh yeah. yeah. The, what is it? The the voice of the unheard. It's the I've seen that meme going around. It's, yeah, it's, it's going um, around. But it's, it's it's something to think about. It really is, know? and it, he basically. Go ahead. He, he gives it the the somewhat of a green light. You know, he's like, well, if nothing else is working. But of course he's eloquent and I'm not. So exactly. But it's, it's just, it, I'm, I'm getting it now this time around. I'm right. getting it. It's making sense because I don't understand. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm seeing videos posted from, uh, uh, you know, from white people saying, yeah, we, we as white people don't get it because we as white people don't look at race from the standpoint of it doesn't affect us. So we don't have to. 
yeah, we don't have any framework. It's There's like no handing fun. somebody a piano and saying, play Mozart. And you go, wait, I don't have any training. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, and so but it's we're like, getting schooled. Yes, we are. And, and it needs to happen. Yeah, and more, and I know? feel that too. You know, Tim, I, for the first time, I kind of feel like, and you know, as a musician, I love my black musician friends, man. You know that film White Men Can't Jump? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there, there's plenty of great white musicians too, but but man, black music just does it for me. And maybe that's maybe I'm just unique, but I really get that, right? I really get that. Yeah. What I didn't get that's coming home for me is is the um, I guess it's my own understanding, like you're saying, my own understanding of the situation that a black person has lived in in America. That's coming home for me. Yeah. And uh, that's changing things. That's really, that's, that's, uh, there's a really self-compassionate challenge in that because, you know, I didn't intend to make these things difficult for my black brothers and sisters. I didn't intend to do that. Mm -mm. It's not about that. It's about understanding what it's like having been in that place. It's like where Brittany Howard's goathead comes home and, and it's like, wow, okay, I really get that now. I can feel what it's like to be that hated yeah. in a way that I've never felt before. That's, and uh, that, that pain like unites us somehow, I think, you know, it, we're starting to feel that pain. Well, and it, it just, it blows my mind that people, I mean, when you really think, and I brought this up, I brought this up with another guy who I was talking to and, and we actually were talking on the day of when all this came to a head, when we found, found oh, no. out about George, George Floyd and, uh, and he's a black guy and, and it was an, it was an interesting conversation because um, you know, talking about that and, 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 and one of the things that we were discussing is the fact that it's a skin pigmentation. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Why, you know, and, and I don't get it. And it's like, you know, and, and, but again, I'm not going to sit there and claim that, you know, just because I don't understand it and I don't see, you know, cause there was this, it's this video that where they're talking about the myths of, from white people, like the whole, I don't see skin color. It's like, well, if you don't see skin color, then you're not going to understand racism. And I was like, holy shit, that really yeah. makes a lot of sense. You know, see, so yes, yep. but no one's going to be dumb. And, you know, you can't be dumb enough to say, well, I don't see that as a black person or as a white person. Or as a, come on. You know, you, you, what you're what you're basically doing is you're trying to take race off the table. It's what this video yep. was talking about. And I'm like, holy cow. Yeah, that's totally what 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 happens, you know, and. It's it, but what, what what I was saying is is I was like you know the thing is is that when it comes to pigmentation we are conscious beings living inside of a meat suit that's basically saying one is driving a Chevy and one is driving a Ford. Yep, they both do the same thing. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it's like, and and it's so true. It but why does it get to that? And and it's been that way for hundreds of years. And it's been that way in not oh my just gosh. you yeah. know since. <sighs> You know, since we were still living in trees. Yes, exactly. It's always been a and, the, and the thing. Go ahead. We aren't living in trees anymore. Yeah. And there's plenty to go around. So why are we fighting one another? I mean, what is it that we're actually fighting over here? I, 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 I would understand that if we were competing for the same, you know, herd of elk or whatever. But but, dude, we're not. You know, it's like we don't have that that built-in need to compete for anything. Even the uh, the Native American Indians, you know, are are some of our ancestors right now, right here. Yeah, um, had to compete with each other, and even though they were technically the same color skin, they still had their differences. But oh, those course, were yeah. sort of survival differences, you know, based on the situation. We don't have that situation anymore. 
And uh, how are we going to transform that, you know, that, that sort of, I didn't want to call it systemic. Maybe it's an ancestral need to compete. How do we transform that need to compete into something else? And I, I'm not going to, I don't want to minimize our current racial fight in any way. No. But that need to find out how to collaborate, how to cooperate together, to put greed aside in service of a bigger community, that's something that we're dealing with at the, at the level of business and commercialism right now. Um, look how materialism has taken us down a road that's unsustainable. Yeah. That's, that's a collision course right there too, the same way that racism is a collision course. And uh, you know, we're, at, we're at the end of that collision now, I hope, so let's hope find so. a way to pick up the parts. And go ahead together instead of in um, in opposition to each other. Yeah, well, and, and that may not be easy, but I think that's the invitation, Tim. Totally. Everywhere, economically, socially, whatever, wherever you find that, turn off greed, turn up cooperation, and we're going to have some some difference. Bingo. It won't be easy, but we can have some difference. But we can right? have, yeah. Well, and and materialism has materialism is a thing that I. I talk anti-materialism all the time on the podcast, but it's – I think the the problem with that is it's one of those ways that you can have a visual representation of having achieved some form of status. And, right, right. And, and, and getting back to the whole concept of, yeah, you had the same skin color, but there were still different – Divide, you know, divisions, whether it was, you know, the German neighborhood or the Irish neighborhood or the Italian neighborhood or whatever. I think there's a fundamental sure, yeah. need for people to have an us and them there has to be an enemy. There has to be the victim. There has to be that. And the problem is, is that when you've got skin pigmentation, that's an easy differentiating factor. And right. So it's too simple. It's too simple to draw the lines. Yeah. And 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 unfortunately, there are too many people who who use that as an easy scapegoat of well, that's the difference. It's like yeah, no, <laughs> and, and no, and, it's and not. It's not. And it's it's I, yeah, I it's. The fact of the matter is, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anti-capitalism or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I am saying is, is that I am definitely anti-materialism. I am anti-greed. There is so much yeah. that uh, you know, these big heads of corporations don't need a fifth hundred-foot yacht. They don't need, yeah. uh, you know, all this ridiculous excessiveness. You know, their their seventeenth summer home or whatever kind of nonsense that they've got, and it's. You know, and you yep. could say, well, you know, but they've achieved that. They've they've built that. Really? You know, it's a case of I think there's a certain moral responsibility that when you attain a certain level of wealth, you should almost I mean, you can't make it a legalized thing because then that gets into a whole different, you know, that starts getting into communism and things like that. But there should be a yeah. there should be a uh just a just a moral compass on the whole to give back a little more. You know, they, I have talked about Jeff Bezos in the past where he gave something like a hundred million dollars and he got, you know, kudos from the media. It's like a hundred million dollars to him is what he makes. He makes more than that in interest on the rest of his in of his money. Yeah, exactly. That's nothing to him. I, I, I should be able yeah. to go and give a hundred dollar donation and then go talk to the media and say, why aren't you doing a story about me? That's way more of my net value than what that hundred million was to him, of his forty billion. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's just no, your 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 observation is very astute. And and thank you. I think there is some leadership there. I think we're st we're starting to see that in our own lifetimes. We're starting to see that kind of leadership. 
back in the day, it looked a little different. Like uh, Ford took care of its employees and the automobile unions were well cared for, yeah. you know, by the companies that work, they work for. But that the paradigm shifted. So now we have to do it a different way and, and we have to sort of implore billionaires to do the right thing. Which yeah. is happening, and, is and happening. if they're also getting, you know, bagged on for doing it, so where's the Gates Foundation and all this? So some people think Gates is, you know, the devil. Yeah, and it's like, okay, but he took a step over the cliff at his level of ability to try to solve some problems. Yes, and you know, if you want to, you could probably work with him on that if that's if that's your thing. That was his step over the cliff. You know, many of the others of us can't afford a step over the cliff like that, but in some ways you got to stick your toe in the water at some point. And if that's his toe in the water, thank God, because we've got seven companies working on a coronavirus vaccine that we wouldn't have without his money. Exactly. So, um, I mean, we could talk anti-vaxxers and all that. Uh, yeah, depends, we could, but, the whole con the conspiracy you know, theory that he owns the vaccine, uh, yeah, he owns, it's yeah. like, whatever. People, people are always well, hey, going to find an yeah. enemy. What's that? that but, but, He's a billionaire, and he's leading other billionaires into uh, a way to do the right thing. And then the Zuckerbergs are doing the same thing. Zuckerberg Chan Foundation is doing some nice stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's changing the way that we look at amazing wealth. And it's hopefully, I think, um, this whole situation that we're in right now is helping people understand that they do have influence locally. And if you have yeah. some money around and you can spend it wisely locally – that that could be very good for your community. Totally. And uh, it's, you know, here in San Diego, we have competing music auditoriums. <laughs> and there's two families, big names that I won't mention right now, who are all about naming their, you know, auditorium or their thing. And you go to the zoo anymore, and like every 10 feet, there's a little marker with whoever gave, you know, money for that particular plant, oh, you yeah. know, or bench or and it's like, come on, guys, this is great. And I, and I love the fact that our zoo is supported. I love the fact that the arts are supported so well. But, you know, it's, that's, that needs to go beyond, you know, building a big edifice in your honor. It needs yes. to get to a level of practicality that, that's really, really important. And, um, and, I, and I'm not saying that we don't support the arts. It's really great when billionaires do that because, hey, we wouldn't have symphonies and stuff like that these days without their support. Totally. We wouldn't have museums and, you know, all of that. That's, that's really important. But now we're talking social change. And, uh, you know, so go Gates Foundation, go Chan Zuckerberg Foundation, uh, go Templeton's, everybody who's given to make this happen and modeled it for others. Totally. You know, keep doing that because, you know, they'll come along. There's some sort of billionaire's agreement, isn't there, where you sign it and you, you pledge to give away all your wealth uh, before you die. It's a billionaire's club, but maybe it's a Warren Buffett thing or a George Soros. Yeah, thing. I think it's, it's one of those guys. I'm pretty sure that yeah, I have heard something like that. Where when they get up there in age, um, I do know that like um, I think it might be Gates. Only a small percentage of his wealth is going towards like any relatives or anything. Where yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, like like let's say he's worth forty billion again. You know, like like Bezos or something. Where only like. A hundred million of it is going towards his family, which to me that that's still a sizable chunk of change to work with. You no, know, I'd be happy with that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I think I could survive. <laughs> but uh, but the other side of this is, uh, you know, we like to watch the tiny home uh, stuff that's uh, going up on YouTube. I wish I could and do that. Look I, at the exodus. Yeah, right. People are people are getting people away from that excessive. You know, four hundred or four thousand square foot home with a three car garage and all that. People, I've I've heard that there's more of a of a shift towards um, 
not owning vehicles, less material type of possessions, uh, downsizing. I We did that. When we moved from Michigan to uh, Colorado, we gave away a lot of our stuff just because it was yeah. easier for one. But for two, I've got... I, I don't have a problem buying secondhand furniture. I don't have a problem buying you – know, I won't buy a secondhand mattress because that's a little gross. But you know, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, it's you like know? downsize. Get rid of the stuff because it's just stuff. You know, I've, t- I, you know, I, I've said time we, and time we, again, I drive an $800 car because all I need to do is drive about $2,000 <laughs> or 2,000 miles a year. I drive to the bus stop. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it. If something were to happen to that car, I don't care. And there's a freedom in that. And I think when people start waking up to that, where it's like, yeah, you don't need to buy that, you know, $70,000 car to prove that you've attained something in life. And it's, it's just, I think you you just said it. You so said it. It's, uh, I think people are are so, so stressed because they, they are, and I've quoted this line from from Fight Club numerous times, that whole line where Tyler Durden says the stuff you own starts to own you or however he words it. And it's so true because you start it's that whole that's where to me, that's where the hamster wheel comes in, where you are working your job so you can pay for your car so you can go to your job. Yep. You know, yep. it's yeah, I, I wish more people would just start waking up to that because I think it would that would take some edge off. It would take some Hopefully of COVID that is going to help. I, I hope so. I hope that COVID is going to wake people up to what is really important. That that proverbial stop and smell the roses in life in general. You know, yeah. just, just yeah. little simple things of being able to go out to a restaurant. Simple things of being able to, you know, go to a concert where those become yeah. the things that they're really looking forward to. Not this, you know. Not this fifth trip to the Hamptons or whatever, you know. Just yeah, or collecting more crap to more just crap. You know, clog up your house. Yeah, it's yeah. yes, it's it's one of those things that I'm I've woken up to that in the last few years to where, you know, I I do a purge every once in a while where I go through and it's like okay if I haven't touched this in a year or two years or whatever, it's just gone. I'll donate it. Yeah, you know, if I yep. need it again, I'll buy another one. If I if I even need it. But there's no sense in hanging on to crap just to hang on to crap. And there's no sense in buying crap, you know, for that same reason. But there's a, a, a small shadow journey I took with the last time we moved, which was right before all the lockdown began. We we're downsizing on purpose. And I've been carting around all these family heirlooms, big chunks of furniture, right, that have been in my family for two generations. Yeah. I, and I finally just said to myself, you know, I don't need this weight anymore. Yes. And I let a bunch of it go, and it felt so good. Yeah, and it felt sad at the same time. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm no longer carrying this around, but it's going to bless somebody, and I'm sad that it's no longer with us. But hopefully, it'll you know serve someone else. Absolutely, in an equally beautiful way. I, I, I had a someone with a larger house. Yeah, right. <laughs> Still but stuck it, in the mentality of collecting crap. But it's a, it's a, yes, it's totally a bittersweet <laughs> moment. I had a desk like that. That was my dad, my mom and dad's desk that we had in the living room. I did my homework on that desk as a kid. They had that desk probably 10 years before I was even born. So it wasn't like super old, but it was, you know, it was, they bought it, I think, as an antique. So it might have been somebody else's antique that they purchased and they've had it. Anyway, long story short, when we gave a bunch of this furniture away, we've got a, a friend of my wife's who was, you know, she's uh, 
she's had so much shit thrown at her in life. It's it's unreal, mm. you know, of just different things she's dealing with, and she is keeping on. And I'm like, you know what? Let's give her a bunch of stuff. So she was tickled. We had just bought new couches. We had just bought new, you know, new bed, new everything. We were like, give it all to her. And so she was happy. And I was like, get her that desk. I'd love to have her have that desk because it was a desk that had been in my Again, like you said, it, not not multiple generations, but, you know, 40, 50 years. And uh, yeah, it was important. It right? was important. It, it, and you, know, you had a connection with it. I had a personal connection with it. I used to when I, I I was the kind of kid who I got in trouble for talking in class. And in fifth grade, I, I always I always spent time in what was referred to as a cloakroom. I went to the, you know, the Catholic grade school and it was it was the uniforms and the whole nine yards. And I would spend time in the cloakroom right, yeah. for talking. Well, I ended up uh, 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 in fifth grade. I had a teacher who he was <laughs> whatever. Anybody who knows what I'm talking about, he was a monster. But he would punish us and make us write the word quiet. Every time we talked, it was 100, 100 quiets. And when you're in fifth grade, that's a lot of quiets. And so that's a lot of quiet. Yeah. yeah and, and every day I would end up having four or five hundred quiets. So I just wrote my quiets at, <laughs> at that desk every day. And it was like it was literally it was a routine. It was like, did you do your homework? Yes. Did you do your quiets? They already knew my mom and sisters and everybody they knew. knew they knew it, you know. And uh, so there. Yeah, there was a real almost blood, sweat and tears went into that, you know, that desk. So there was a real connection. But when I got rid of it, it felt good, but it felt bad. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it was a bittersweet type moment. So, yeah, when you've got pieces of furniture like that, but it's a weight. There's a weight lifted. It's almost like it's almost like the responsibility is no longer yours either. Well, you know, that's where, you know, when I was talking about having a good death, I think that might be a metaphor for it. Yeah. So that when you when it comes time, you know, I can say, oh, I've let go of everything. You know, there's no weight holding me down. And um, I don't know if people who are close to death get to that place or not. I haven't read anybody who's actually said it that way but doesn't it feel good to like let that stuff go and uh, you know i would want to approach my own death at that level of awareness yeah you know? i like that or as, a, or as a freedom you know give me liberty or give me death <laughs> uh, why can't you have both <laughs> yeah really you know it's like there, it shouldn't be a choice it shouldn't be an either either or but uh yeah, i mean we should go to our death with freedom instead of with burden yeah yeah, and and having said that, um, oh, I don't want to get political on this, but I just I hope that for all the victims of violence who are who, who are giving their lives, whether they recognize that they're you know volunteers on the front lines and and giving their lives for a reason, whether or not they recognize that, um, I hope that people who are who've left us are able to do that with some kind of freedom. Yeah. Maybe it happens on the other side, like we were talking about earlier. But I hope, but I hope that that's part of it because, you know, there's there's a there's a hero's journey to all of what's happening right now. Absolutely. Uh, whether you're George George Floyd or anyone else who's like all the people, a hundred thousand people in America died of COVID. Um, there's a hero's journey involved in that that we can't minimize or or try to ignore. You know, every one of those people had had their journey to um, to freedom. Yeah in some way and, and gave their lives for it. And that's a beautiful thing. It, tragically beautiful, you know? Well, I mean, look at what George Floyd's death has sparked. Yes. Yes. You know, there, there was the other people that are on the list as well, but George Floyd is the one that I think he was a proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. 
you know, it was time for us to have that straw. Yeah. We were getting too complacent. Yeah. You know, and, and COVID has put us in a place where we can hopefully, I, I say this with, with a whole lot of compassion, hopefully we can understand George Floyd's death, martyrdom perhaps, yeah. a little differently than all those who have gone before. I remember how the outrage around Trayvon Martin, and I was, yeah. you know, I live in California, so the the Rodney King thing was huge. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, you know, but these are, it, it's coming home in a different way, I hope. I hope it's come home in a different way for me. I hope that's it, true. It has for me, too. yeah, and I'm hoping that, exactly, I'm hoping the same thing's happening because it, it's, it's like I said, I didn't really get the Ferguson ones as much. I mean, I I understood this. I understood that there was a problem with the racism, and I understood that there was a problem with yeah. police brutality. And again, I had I, coincidentally about a week before the George Floyd thing uh, occurred, I had a retired twenty five year uh, sergeant on the show, and I and we both were talking, and I was like, yeah, not every cop is bad, not every cop is mm-hmm. is is the bad guy. And and he's like, yeah, there are. And he's like, I admit there are bad ones out there. Of course there are. And the media does have a tendency to focus on that. But that's like saying, you know, well, I mean, yeah, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald was just one guy. It's like, yeah, but look what he did. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so now from a different perspective, it's like, yeah, but all it takes is just one bad cop to really spark this thing going because we know it's not just one bad cop. And we know that – but yeah. I will say this. It's not all cops. The problem though Definitely is that – Definitely not. I mean there's – look at all those cops that are marching with the protest. Yes. There's one in Flint that just almost brought me to tears. The guy was like put his baton yep. down and he just started just – you know, walking with them. And I'm like, yeah, we need that. We need people because cops are cops are people, too. But the problem is, is that there are cops who are being, you know, like I saw a video just today before our before our interview that uh, uh, there was a 75 year old man who was just pushed down and then discarded. And then they just walked by going around too. that made me just weep. Yeah. And it's like, that's not you're, you're you have a responsibility as a cop. You have a responsibility yeah. to protect and to serve, and that right there is yeah. you are not doing that. That was completely unnecessary, and and any any of this violence is completely unnecessary. What happened to George Floyd is completely unnecessary. In fact, I I read that that the city of Minneapolis is looking at uh, uh, doing away with they're they're making chokeholds illegal. It's like what happened to him was not a chokehold. Oh, yeah. That's not a chokehold. That's that would be like telling a dentist you know that curb stomping is no longer a good idea to remove teeth. You know, it's like yeah, that's yeah. not a that's not a chokehold. That was that was murder, and the look in his eyes. Yeah. You know, it just it, it's. But I feel bad because it's it's like there are cops out there that I'm sure are frustrated. They're like, "That's not me. I yeah. don't do that." Yeah, I I feel the same way. You know, as a white man, um, I get my hair cut when it, the barbershop opens up again. I'm looking forward to going back to it. At a black barbershop. I mm-hmm. love the atmosphere in there. It's incredible. The guys are incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. But I'm a minority in that place. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things that they do, they sell T-shirts and stuff. And I bought one because it said, Dear Racism, I am not my grandparents. <laughs> Signed, these hands. And it's very difficult to, to position yourself, um, you know, Correctly in this, yeah, yeah I didn't. But it's a I'm great not, shirt. You know, I had family in the south. I had family in the north. I, I'm sure we did despicable things. Yeah, you know, oh, I, yeah. my ancestors did. Yeah, but that's not me. So where am, where do I go now? 
Yeah. You're like, what do I do now? I, I, you know, we need to make things right. And if reparations are what we need to do, then fine. Let's, for heaven's sake, let's do that. You know, let's make it right. But it's difficult to be a symbol, you know, because of the color of my skin, of the wrongs that have been done to black people in America. Yeah. It's difficult to be a symbol of the wrongs that have been done to Native Americans. It's difficult to be a symbol totally. of the wrongs that were done. And my family is German, but we're not Nazi. It's difficult to be a symbol of what has been done to Jewish people in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Um, and to go through and change that symbolic um, uh, baggage uh, is a process. It's one that we have to do collectively. And, um, you know, I'm willing to take that step, but I don't know where I'm going. It's over the cliff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, it's building the plane on the way down, kind of thing. You know, yeah. If that's but what I, it but takes. But I'm pretty confident in my black brothers and sisters who are musicians because you know I I, I know them, I know the love that's there, I know yeah. what kind of people I'm talking about, you know, and it it goes so far below the color of your skin that to get to the common humanity that we all have. Totally. So I feel I feel better about it, but I still recognize that. You know, I can't just walk around like I, I pretend that none of that ever happened or that it doesn't matter now. That's not the right attitude because well, it, it did and it does. It's sins of the father. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it is. something that 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 we are now. Maybe it's time to pay the piper finally. Oh, it definitely is. And let's pay it quick. Because, and let's you pay know, it quick. Yeah. <laughs> and let's pay it right. You know, I, we, we got better things to be doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I don't want to minimize this. The better no. things we have to be doing are things that we can do together. And when we, once we stop fighting about what color our, you know, our skin is. Yeah. But it, it's you know? encouraging, though, to see so many white and black people marching together and, you know, and just saying definitely. this is just nonsense. We need to just stop this, yeah. you know. Yep. It's time. It is time. It's it's yeah. it's it's time. Totally. But. And and what a beautiful time it is. I mean, could could it be any more obvious? I mean, hello, people. It's the yin yang. It's the dark light. It's, yeah. It's, it's you know whoever is in charge here is sitting, hitting up the side of the head and say, hey, you got to pay attention here because it's not about whether you're right or wrong or blue or red or black or white or whatever. It's about what you can do together. Yes, people. Yeah. <laughs> so get over yourself. That's that's exactly it. This, you know? People got to stop being. You know, well, I didn't do. It doesn't matter. Let's just fix it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, we got people in Hong Kong that are that are oppressed. They have no civil liberties compared to people in America. Yeah. We got we can be the example here and but we gotta get our house in order. Yeah. Totally. Know? And and help other people know that it's possible that even in America where we have all these crazy issues and plenty of, you know, fringe people who get all the attention, we can still fix it. One hundred percent. That's I would love to be able to be part of that generation that finally fixed this crap. Oh man, well they'll be dealing with some other huge thing by then. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Then then it'll be the aliens that we finally discovered are real. So you know we'll be right or, or whatever. If there's any Earth left after global warming, after, you yeah, know, right? It'll be like the colonization of Mars or whatever will be. <laughs> when, you know what? And and not not to get off on that subject, but when they talk about colonization of Mars. That's one thing that I for years have struggled with where it's like, so you're telling me it'll be more plausible to make a livable atmosphere on Mars rather than fix the one we've got that's just going down a slippery slope. And so it's kind of like 
it, it, it would be like the equivalent of 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 saying that you know I, well I'm gonna just max out all the credit cards, but eventually I'll get that you know Best Buy card and start over. <laughs> you know it's like it's right, it, right. It's, it's like you fix the credit cards, fix the problems with our planet, fix you know fix all these these species that are being killed off, fix the. Uh, 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 you know the the, bee, the bees problem. Fix the global warming, and and um, I, you know what? I I, I I hate to even use the term global warming. It, it's 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 the that's the problem. Is a lot of people are like, well, global warming. Well, that's that's not you know that's getting warmer. That's better. That and it's like no, it's it's atmospheric change. It's 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 yeah. the change of the planet in general. It's basically getting to the point where it's going to be unlivable in most of the yeah. parts of the world. And yep. You know, but we can get off on that topic for another hour. It's just that's that's something oh, that totally. I mean, that'd be a completely different show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, well, hey, Bill, I really appreciate you coming on. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, I uh, oh, likewise, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and you know what? And and I'm glad. Thank you for taking that journey with me. I mean, yeah, it's it's one thing to be two white guys talking about it, but it's. I felt comfortable being able to say that. Yeah, I don't understand racism. I really don't. You know, and and yeah, and and, yeah. and it was it was it was nice to be able to say that for my listeners to the point where I mean I don't understand it in two two different ways. I don't understand why it's a thing, but I also don't understand how bad it really is because I'm a white guy. Right. Yeah. You know? Until you've been on the opposite side, like until you're the minority discriminated against. Yeah. It. it I don't think it can come home. And I'm not encouraging anybody to go out there and try to be that minority. No. If you wait long enough, um, we're all going to become the same color. And along it, the way, I'm sure they're going to go, you know, people will go politely and people go kicking and screaming. And, absolutely. And this may be part of that kicking and screaming, but it's all good. You yeah. know, we're going to get there yeah. some way or another. And, you know, uh, <laughs> hopefully together. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't see another way, Tim. And. Hey, hey, thank you for uh, reviving the show and keeping it going because thank, we yeah. need this historical record, you know? Thanks well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, – um, yeah, it was it was time. I took a took a longer hiatus than I expected. But, uh, yeah, I'm I, – I really like where this has been going. I'm getting different perspectives from all different types of people. And it's uh, – yeah, I never thought of it as historical records, but you're right. It's out there. This is there for good. So hopefully people can listen to these and get some kind of perspective on, you know, our, our, our just humanity in general. So, yeah, here's where we were, you know, on um, June 6th of 2020, the year that will be studied in history. Yeah, because it will be. You <laughs> know right. that 2020 is going to be one of those years that is going to look be looked at 100 years from now. Like, how did people even survive that? <laughs> Right, right. So, right. well, hey, thanks, Bill. Again, I, uh, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on. So, you have yourself a good uh, rest of your Saturday. You too, Tim. Thank you again. And um, anytime, reach out. It's good to know that there's a fellow traveler out there. Definitely, definitely, absolutely. So, you you have yourself a good day. You too. Thanks. Ciao. Bye. And that's my episode with Bill Protzman. Again, episode number 37. It's just a weird thing I've got, but I see it everywhere. Now that I've told you, you might too. Whatever. Anyway, that was a very cool conversation. You know, being able to talk about some of the intricacies of music and just, uh, you know, how powerful music really is. 
And if you'd like to learn more about Bill, visit BillProtzman.com. And that's Bill, P-R-O-T-Z-M-A-N-N.com. And in the meantime, have yourself a good day, have yourself a good life, and jam out some bitchin' music. <laughs>